Amen. Psalms chapter 35, verse 1. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight, O Lord, with those who fight against me. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Daniel chapter 6 today. Daniel chapter 6. Talking about our timeless testaments. And I'm going to title this message, In the Lion's Mouth. The Lion's Mouth. Uh, Let's pray. Father, Lord, we just ask you to be with us in this moment. Holy Spirit, speak only what you have for me to speak. God, anoint our ears to hear what you have for us to hear. Oh, God, help me in my weakness to give your word, Lord, and that we would walk out of this place different than what we came in. And, Lord, that you would give us confidence and a faith, Lord, that has come by your Holy Spirit and your word, that we would uh, believe and be steadfast and persistent and patient And, Lord, knowing that you are our defense in all things. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Do you have anybody who hates you? Uh, And nobody likes it when somebody hates you. In fact, some people, people, anything you can do to get somebody to like you, that's what you're going to do. But if you are a believer today and you trust in Jesus Christ, you have someone who hates you. And his name is the devil, Satan. And this devil, this accuser... He hates you with the evilest, vilest passion. The Bible says, like a lion, he wants to prey on you at your weakest moment uh, and to overcome you with the temptation to sin, to steal, to kill, to utterly destroy you. In fact, Scripture says he is raising up a people, an anti-Christ, a people against Christ type people, to devour God's church like a lion's mouth. And this old devil, the lion... He uses violence, lies, slander, false accusations to try to tear you apart. And our question today is, how does God deliver and how do you respond? Uh, If you've been a Christian for any length of time, no doubt you have had those whispers in your deep, dark times where it asks you, are you sure you're good enough? Does God really love you? Don't you remember when you sinned that time? Don't you know that you're still doing it again, and you should just give up and give in? How many know what I'm talking about? Amen. We're all human. We all deal with that, and those lies are there. And sometimes it comes through just the demonic whispers uh, in those darkened seasons in our life, things in in our lives going wrong. Sometimes families can argue and fall apart for seemingly no reason, where the devil is just doing things against God's people. Sometimes it's uh, really standing up for your faith, and maybe you lose a job or you get missed for a promotion because you don't fit in with the clique or the crowd. Sometimes it is people talking bad about you and hating you for you're a spirit-filled, joyful person, and it just irks them, and they just want to tear you down for no reason, it seems. There are a lot of ways the devil can come against you like a lion. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And what do you do? How do you respond? And what is God's defense in your life? Look with me in the book of Daniel chapter 6. We're talking about Daniel and the lion's den today. Out of the lion's mouth. Let me give you the background. Daniel is now old. He has served God faithfully for decades and decades. He has withstood multiple evil uh, kings, emperors. Uh, He has stood against Nebuchadnezzar's idol image. He's fasted for three years, kept kosher. He's seen his good friends walk through the fire, and yet he's seen God promote him and promote him and promote him, use him to interpret dreams and visions. And he's even seen Nebuchadnezzar's wicked son 
see handwriting on the wall and killed for a pride that man had been exalting himself up against God. He's seen Nebuchadnezzar himself even humbled and go into the wilderness like a wild beast and come back and praise the Lord. Now a new man, Darius, is on the scene, a Mede from the Persians. He has come and taken over the Babylonian Empire. He's in his 60s. Daniel, we don't know how old, 60s or 80s. Daniel's an old man. And he has served faithfully uh, the kings in the past. So Darius appoints him uh, to be one of the top three overseers of this new province of Babylon. And there are 120 governors underneath him or princes or rulers. So there's 123 rulers and Daniel is one of the top ones. And Darius seeing the anointing really is what he saw on Daniel's life said, I'm going to even begin to promote Daniel. I want to promote Daniel to my number two guy. He's going to be number one over all the governors, all the rulers and the princes because there's something special about him. But because of Daniel and that he was a Jew, these 122 other governors did not like this. They sought to get accusation for Daniel. They said, let's look into his financial records. Let's look into his voting records. Let's look into what he's done. Let's find if he's cutting corners. And we're going to bring this guy down. Anything we can do, we're going to go 35 years back in his past and see what we can dig up, right? And some of y'all got that. And, and we're going to find out what he did wrong. But here's the deal. They couldn't find anything on Daniel. They couldn't find anything. His track record was perfect. And so they come back up and they say, well, here's what they'll say in verse, uh, chapter 6, verse uh, 5. He says, if we can't find any ground of accusation against Daniel, the only way we're going to find it is if we find it with regard to the law of his God. So they come to the king, and they trick the king. They say, King, uh, we've got all of us together, all 123 uh, rulers and governors together. We all agree. Because you're a new king, and the empire is kind of chaotic right now, let's have this great pledge of allegiance to you. It will bring unity. Everybody will be together. Everybody will be the same. They'll come under one banner, and you'll have security in your kingdom. Okay? Uniting the kingdom again. And so they say, let's say for 30 days that no one in any religion or denomination or any sect or any political affiliation can worship or praise anyone but you for 30 days. And after that, they can go back to doing what they wanted to do. But for 30 days, they can't pray any prayer to any god. They can only pledge allegiance to you, O king, so that we'll see if there's any rebels in your kingdom and we want to this kingdom to move forward. And so he says, okay, well, if everybody's on board, that sounds good. He didn't think to ask Daniel. Daniel apparently wasn't at that meeting. But they told him everybody's on board. And so he goes and he says, let's do that. And they said, well, let's sign it into law because under the Persian law, anything the king signs and seals cannot be undone, even by the king himself. It is as if God himself would write it down. And so he writes it into law. Well, Daniel... Having even known this, Daniel has been through kings and kings and wicked kings and idols and seen pits of fire and all this. But Daniel went to his upper room as he had always done. He opened his window to the east. He knelt down in prayer, continuing to pray morning, midday, and afternoon. Praying towards Jerusalem, praying for God to save his people. 
Now, these evil 120-some-odd men knew this, that Daniel would as a faithful man, and they said, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go find him when he's praying, and we're going to catch him in the act because we know he's going to do it. So they go, they bust in on him at his home, they find him praying, they say, aha, we caught you. Immediately, they run down to King Darius and say, King Darius, did you not sign a law that said nobody could pray to any god but worship you and pledge allegiance to you for their days? Yes, that's what I said. But there is one, Daniel. He has been ignoring you, he's been praying to God, he's ignored your edict, and immediately the king's heart and stomach sunk because he loved Daniel. He liked Daniel. He saw faithfulness and, and integrity in Daniel. And so for the whole day, he, had a loo- he was looking for a loophole. How can I get, uh, find a way to save Daniel because he's such great to me and I want to promote him to number one. Uh, and so he uh, wrestled and wrestled. Even into the evening, he wrestled. But they kept accusing Daniel. They kept coming to him. King, when are you going to make a decision? King, when are you going to make a decision? Don't you know this is law? You've got to do it. You said it. Daniel disobeyed it. And so finally, he takes Daniel and he puts him in the lion's den. And he takes, they take a stone and they roll a stone over the pit in the king's own ring. And they put clay tablets on it and he seals that, that stone with his, his emblem. And the nobles themselves, those 120 men, they seal that stone. It's a sealed deal. Daniel's fate is set. But the king, before they leave, turns to Daniel, and before they throw him in the pit, says, Daniel, in verse 20, Daniel, servant of uh, 21, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you constantly serve. Sorry, uh, sorry, go back there. Verse 17, your God whom you constantly serve will himself deliver you. He had saw something in Daniel. He saw something in his faith. He says, Daniel, surely your God will deliver you. And so he leaves. And all night long, he's tossing and turning, and he's fasting. And he takes out all the entertainment. He wants to just be alone. And he wrestles. Couldn't sleep at night. Gets up first thing in the morning, and he runs down to the pit. And he says, Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lion's? Then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. Verse 22, my God sent an angel to shut the lion's mouth that they have not harmed me inasmuch as I was found innocent before him. And also towards you, O king, I have committed no crime. So the king took Daniel out without injury because Daniel had trusted in his God and he uh, let him, uh, put him out. He promotes him. He declares that God is a living God. And he says to those people who accused him and falsely accused him and tricked the king, take them and their family, their wives, their children, throw them into the pit. And before they even touched the floor, the lions devoured them all. Now that is the story of Daniel in the lion's den. How does that apply to you and to me today. I'm going to talk to you about the lions, how God delivers, and how we respond. But let me talk to you about the lions. In this story, there are lions, and every saint of God is going to face lions in your day. And in fact, in this story, there are two sets of lions. There are the lions in the pit that were going to, with their mouths, devour Daniel. And there are the lions in the Congress and the nobility and the governor, uh, the rulers. They were those lions that were trying to devour Daniel with their mouths. You see, they were false accusers. The real lions were Daniel's co-workers. 
You may be enduring some lions in your life today. It could be in your family. It could be in your school. It could be in your, uh, your job, your workplace. It could be online. There could be some situations in your life. But these 122, they were jealous and envious of Daniel. Their own selfish, uh, selfish ambition placed this target on his back. They said, how can a Jew rule us? We don't want to, for instance, today, we don't want a Christian to be our boss. Why is that Christian getting so much attention from the teachers? Why is that Christian always liked by everyone around them? Why are they always so happy? Why does their things in their lives seem to work out? We don't want that person a part of our space. And there's something anti-Christ in the hatred uh, in the hearts of this world and they begin to find anything to accuse him. But when they couldn't, they said, we're going to use his faith against you, against him. Don't you know that when Satan can't go for your record, when he can't go for your moral high ground, when he can't go for the things in, in the world around you, he's going to go for your faith. I think about the Pharisees in the same way. The Bible says that Jesus was without sin, that he did nothing wrong. And yet the Pharisees repeatedly from the history, uh, from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, trying to find fault with Jesus. They're always in dark corners trying to find a loophole in the law. How can we legally get this guy to be quiet? How can we shut this guy up? What is going on? What is this tracker? What good comes out of Nazareth? Why is this doing this? He eats with sinners and Pharisees. Let's find something, some dirt on this guy to take him down. And repeatedly, Luke 6 says they tried to find accusation against him. And when they couldn't, what did they do? They find it, found a way to call Jesus a traitor of Caesar. They go to the Jews. I mean, so the Jews go to the Romans and they say, this guy is setting himself up as a kingdom on the earth. He's no friend of Caesar. He's a rebel. He's a traitor. He's a troublemaker. And so they have him arrested on grounds of against uh, Roman law. And, but yet even the Romans, Pilate comes and says, I don't find any fault in this man. I can't even, but they continued. The Bible says they vehemently continued to accuse him repeatedly angrily, uh, with hostility and violence in their hearts, continued to accuse him before Pilate. And for that reason, because of accusation led by hate, he was crucified. You know, Satan has been trying to accuse the church of all kinds of evil ever since. You know, the word devil actually means accuser. Revelation says that Satan, the devil, the devil, is the accuser of our brethren, that's the church, the brothers and sisters of God, that his, his role, we're going to talk about Job in a, in a couple of weeks, even Job, Satan is like this prosecuting attorney. He is the accuser. He wants to find any kind of dirt on you that he can. And he is prowling around, First Peter says, like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. His job is to point out every fault of yours. His job is to remind you of every dirty thing and every thought and every fault you've ever done and continue to bring it back up on your face. And if that doesn't work, he's going to go to somebody else around you to try to bring you down. He's going to go to that ex and cause problems. He's going to go to that family and cause problems. He's going to do anything he can in your finances, your job, anything he can do to bring you down because he hates you. You're made in God's image. You're God's very best. The Bible says that God called you to be higher than the angels. And he hates you. And it's hard for us to get this in mind that the devil hates you for no reason other than that God loves you. 
Think about it. I mean, I don't like to be hate, hated by anybody. And normally what you try to do, if you find somebody don't like you, you try to fix it, right? Isn't that what you try to do? This is some relationships, like with him, you can't fix it. Do we have to understand that you and I have an enemy who is an accuser? The Bible says he's a liar, a slanderer, a tempter. He works through demons. He works through people, deceived people, to oppose God's purpose. He even works in the church. Think about it. He worked in the very first church. The Bible says that he tempted Peter to tempt Jesus. And what did Jesus say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. The very first pope, leader of the world church, was used by the devil against Jesus. In Jesus' own posse of 12, he tempted and possessed Judas to have Jesus turned in. So in the first church, two out of 12 were influenced by the devil. What does that say about church today? Don't look around the room, right? Uh, He's everywhere. He wants to get in the midst of it. He wants to bring you down. Y'all need to stop looking at neighbors, right? You know, David wrote Psalms 22, and uh, turn, turn to Psalms 22, because I want you to really just take this verse, this chapter, home today and, and think about it, because this is really what I want us to get into today, and we're going to talk about the story of Daniel, but Psalms 22, David wrote it, and Christ quoted it on the cross, and you can kind of pick some of this out. I'm just going to read a few verses, but he says, remember this, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, Right? He says, I cry out day by day, but you do not answer. I'm a worm, not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. Now, this is Jesus quoting this chapter on the cross, right? He says, all who see me mock me. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Look at that next verse. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. It says, dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and feet. In verse 21, rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Jesus was quoting a chapter on the cross about being devoured by lions. David wrote a psalm declaring, God, where are you? I feel like lions are around me trying to devour me and tear me apart. And in this life of living, following Jesus Christ, if David went through it, if Christ on the cross went through it, you and I are going to have moments where it feels like, where in the world is God? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There are lions around me trying to tell me, uh, tear me apart. It could be voices in my head. It could be doubts in my heart. It could be people surrounding me. It could be just my physical body just falling apart. I just feel like, God, I don't sense you. I don't know where you are. I feel like I'm thrown into a pit of lions, and there's no hope. It's just darkness. Satan has a way of making you feel alone, weak, ashamed and powerless. He wants you to ask, where is God? And lose hope. But how does God deliver? In the case of Daniel and the, and the lion's den, God miraculously delivers Daniel from the lion's mouth and the mouth of his false accusers. Daniel remembers, no doubt he was quoting Psalms 91, that he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, he's quoting that verse because in verse 13, he says that uh, angels are going to guard you. And he says, you will tread upon the lion in the cobra, if you dwell in the presence of God, his wings overshadow you. you thousands can fall at your side, and, but pestilence and deadly things will not harm you. And he says you can tread upon the lion 
and the cobra. I think Daniel was probably quoting Psalms 91 and holding on to that verse. I can, if I'm in God, God's got me. And he, he goes through that situation and he finds out that an angel of God, the presence of God, comes in that place and causes those lions not to even care that Daniel's there. You know, in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, it encourages us that this, if we have faith in God, if we as a saint, a holy one of God, uh, hold on by faith to his promises. Look at all this awesome stuff that happened in Hebrews eleven thirty three. It's like those who, like Daniel, if you trust in God, look at what some of these, these guys did over the, uh, the early church. It says they conquered kingdoms, they performed acts of righteousness, they obtained promises. Here's Daniel. They shut the mouth of lions, 34. They quenched the power of fire. With God, they escaped the edge of the sword. From weakness, they were made strong. They became mighty in war, and they even put foreign armies to flight. Somebody say amen. amen. That is an encouraging verse that says God is a delivering God. Amen. He's a delivering God. But you know what? I kept reading. Let's look at the, and continue on in verse 36. But guess what? Others experienced mockings and scourgings, chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and ill-treated. Okay, now I don't feel so victorious anymore. Here's the same chapter. Those who trust in God will shut the mouth of lions. They can conquer foreign armies. They can put the flames out. Some are sawn in two. What's going on here? I just read Daniel in the lion's den. I want a sermon that says, well, no matter what den I go in, God's going to shut that person up. I'm going to walk out on the other side. But when I read Hebrews, and it tells me about people like Daniel, it says some of them come out alive, and some of them come out in pieces. Well, so which is it? Okay, let's talk about Paul. I'm going to get some encouragement with Paul. How does God deliver Paul? 2 Timothy 4, 17. Paul says... Now, he's arrested. He's in prison. He's at the end of his life. He's an older man, writing to Timothy, encouraging Timothy. He says, Timothy, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished that all the Gentiles, the whole world might hear. And I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. Hallelujah. That Paul was about to face a trial and go early. They were about to throw him in the gladiator games in Rome. He would have died that night. But yet God put off his trial and he was rescued out of the lion's mouth. Praise the Lord. He says, guess what? The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed. He will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul said, he rescued me from the lions. He's going to bring me safely through. My God is a God who delivers. And a couple months later, Paul was beheaded. Okay, Paul. You, what, what you just wrote, Paul, that God delivered you from the lion. He's going to deliver you from everything. He's a God who delivers. And he says, but what? Paul believed, though, that to live is Christ and to die is gain. You see, for Paul, live or die, I win. Live or die, I win. 
For the people in Hebrews, live or die, I win. No matter what pit I go through, I go through with the living God and I come out alive. I'll either come out alive in this life or I'm going to come out alive in the next life. And that's how my God delivers. So it doesn't matter with what lion's mouth we face. We fight this good fight of faith. Paul says the battle that I'm in is to tell the glory of God. And everyone who wants to live a godly life is going to suffer persecution. Even if I go through uh, hardship and I join him in suffering, that the Lord is going to rescue me from every evil deed. He will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. I think about the book of Revelation. And Jesus tells the church in Smyrna, he says, hey, you're going to suffer some persecution. But if you are faithful until death, I will give you the crown of life. How does God deliver you today? It does not matter how God delivers, but that he will. Do you understand that today? It doesn't matter how you come out through that circumstance today, only that you will. You see, the how is in his hands. God, I may come out with a horrible reputation. I might be accused. I might be beaten. I might be slandered. I might be mocked. I might be stoned. I might be shipwrecked. I might be eaten by, bitten by a snake. I might be stoned and left alive. But I'm going to come out of this. You with me this morning? It doesn't matter how you come out, but that you will come out. It doesn't matter what you go through, but that you will go through it with him. So what matters is how you and I respond by faith that we have a delivering God. Live or die, God will deliver from the lion. Do you have that kind of faith today? Live or die, good or bad. Though the Lord destroy me, yet I will praise the Lord, like Job said. It doesn't matter how I go through this life. I'm going to come through. I will be uh, with God in the land of the living, like the psalmist says, that it's, it's, it's that I am victorious. I am more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And how you respond to that truth is what matters in how you go through it. I think Daniel went into that lion's pit not knowing for sure if he would die or not. But either way, he was going to continue to be faithful to God. The story is not about Daniel coming out alive. It's about God going through it with him. I'm going to give you five real quick things that I want you to take home today. If you have a pen, write these down. Because what I did, and let's just give you the background. What I did is I began to study out this week all the psalmists, all the verses about lions and being eaten by lions in Scripture. And really what appeared to me on my paper was these five truths that I want to give you today about enduring lions and going through the lion's mouth. So how do you respond? Number one, the way we respond is be on a peaceful path. Just so you can remember, I came up with the word P. I hate alliteration sometimes, but peaceful path is number one. How do you go through these moments? How do you get delivered and walk with God through the lion, a God who always delivers, live or die, We respond, number one, on a peaceful path. Daniel was at peace with himself, with God. He didn't blame his accusers. He didn't slander. He didn't come out and do a picket line. He didn't do anything else but begin to worship God and stay blameless. 
keep his reputation, keep his clear conscience. And when he comes out, he doesn't say, well, how could you do that to me? How did you do that? Why did you do that? He didn't take all that on himself, but he went through this. I was a blameless person going in, and I'm going to be a blameless person going out. Sometimes we go through these difficult moments, and what do we do? We take on the attitude of those who are having attitude with us. People begin accusing us, but we begin accusing them. People get angry at us, we get angry at them. People slander us, we slander them. People get violent with us, we get violent with them in turn. And what do we do? We just become another lion. But instead, he went through it in peace. Jesus gives a heavenly peace by his spirit, John 14 says. Romans 12 tells us that you can only overcome evil with good. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 14, that even if you suffer for righteousness, you're blessed. And you shouldn't have to fear intimidation. You shouldn't be troubled. But you should be sanctified in Christ, in the Lord, always able to make a defense for your faith, But you should do it with gentleness and reverence. You keep composed in those moments because the Holy Spirit's in you. He's the spirit of peace. Even if you're, you can defend yourself, you can glorify God, you can tell the truth, but you do it in a different way. You don't respond the way that you don't sink to their level. That person in your family comes accusing you, trying to dig up all kind of dirt, slandering you on Facebook. You don't respond on Facebook. You understand me? You don't turn it back on them and say, well, let me see what I can find out on them. And if everybody knew your faults and you begin to tell the world there, because they got faults too, no doubt. But you are to respond and stay on the peaceful path. Are you with me? Amen. Number two, pray. Pray. Prayer is a key in this chapter. Because here's why. Daniel chose a lion's den instead of missing one prayer meeting. How important was prayer to Daniel? He would rather go to the lion's den than miss his prayer time. How important do you think your prayer time is? Yet we have a whole country of Christians that never pray more than, Lord, bless this food as I'm eating these nachos. Amen. We don't, we don't get on our knees and pray. And, and Daniel, it wasn't a one-time thing. It wasn't, oh, I'm praying because things are going wrong in my life. No, I'm praying three times a day when everything is going great. I'm praying throughout the day. I'm interceding for my church. I'm praying for this nation. I'm praying, God, use me in a powerful way. Continue to use me in the gifts of the Spirit. God, give me words to speak. Show me how to be a light to my family, a light to my coworkers. God, I'm I'm meditating on your truth night and day. And it was this communion with God that that Daniel didn't get in the moment, but that he had beforehand. See, that emergency button prayer, that, oh, help me, you know, Staples easy button prayer. It's like, Lord, 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 I need help right now. I need a lifeline. I'm calling a favor, calling a friend, right? I I need something now. But Daniel had that from the very beginning. Psalms 35, David said, people attacked him like lions and they prayed. He says, but God, fight my battles. God, be my defense. God, Psalms 35, verse 1. God, contend with those who contend against me. God, fight those who fight against me. I'm in you, lions surround me. But God, you've got to fight for me. David went to prayer first. He went to prayer first. God, you have got to be the one that is fighting my battles for me. Jesus says, pray that you shouldn't enter into temptation. Jesus even said it is the Lord's Prayer. Church, you've got to be praying. You are in the midst of spiritual warfare, whether you want to recognize it or not. You have a person who hates you, 
who's got armies and legions trying to take you down and take you out, and yet we're here just going through the motions and not praying and not getting on our knees and saying, God, you've got to fight for me. We've got to recognize we're in a problem here. This world is dying and going to hell, and there's one who's trying to take it there quicker. And we have a, an enemy, and we need to be on our knees in prayer. So number two, you pray. Number three, patiently persist. Patiently persist. Daniel could have compromised his faith. He could have said, you know what? Over the, over the last decades, I've put in my time. I'm good. I'm going to kind of let it slide this time for 30 days. Sure, I can go without prayer for 30 days. I'm just going to get, you know, just take a back seat. Somebody else can volunteer for youth. Somebody else can volunteer for kids. I've put in my time. Uh, I can slack off a little bit right now. I don't have to continue to use my gifts. I don't, I don't have to really be faithful. I, was, I served the Lord years for faithfulness, and I've, been, I've done in my time. But Daniel patiently persisted. He says, no, I'm not compromising my faith. In Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, Paul says, but if we endure hardship, you'll reign with him. If you deny him, he'll deny you. We're going to overcome the devil today. It's because we're going to have this grit inside of us. that We're going to say, God, I'm persisting with patience and long-suffering by the Holy Spirit, with temperance and meekness. God, I'm digging in, and I'm saying, I shall not be moved from my faith. I'm not letting go and giving in. And there's, uh, I, I trust in the blood of Jesus that uh, all of my accusations, all of that guilt and shame has been washed away through Jesus Christ. And I'm not loving my life like in Revelation 12. It says those who overcome him do so because of the blood of the Lamb, but also because they held on to their testimony and even to death didn't love their lives. They, they, they said, it's the blood of the Lamb who saves, and I'm not giving up on that testimony that I am free and forgiven no matter what the devil does or says. I'm holding on by faith. This is the Word of God. So he patiently persisted, even to the very end. And four, he had the presence. said, an angel came and visited him because he was dwelling in the shadow of the Most High. He was dwelling in the presence of God each and every day. Daniel was a man used by the gifts of the Spirit on a regular basis. He had a relationship with the Spirit of God. And so that presence that he had before the lion's den continued with him as he went into it. You can't just go get the the fullness of the Holy Spirit on the day that you feel like you're in the dark, deep place. Oh yeah, he'll show up. But how much better is it to have it and say, God, I've been walking with you from, from day before. I'm going to be walking with you in the middle. I'm going to walk with you in the day after. That the Holy Spirit has been something that I've been cultivating in my life, hearing his voice, walking with him. And I'm walking in the presence of the Lord in accusation. I'm walking in the presence of the Lord on trial. I'm walking in the presence of the Lord as I'm coming into this step by step closer to the roaring of the lion. I see an image. I see some eyes. I see some teeth. I smell them. And I'm in this dark place. I'm trusting in. You're not going to make it, church, if you don't have the presence of the Lord. A peace that passes understanding. They guard your heart in Christ Jesus. It's the presence of the Lord that Jesus said he would send, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. He says, peace I leave with you. Not as the world leaves do I leave it, but I leave something supernatural, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Teacher. He's going to remind you what to say in those hours. He's going to walk with you when you're falsely accused, when people stand against you. He's going to be with you in troubled times. He's going to remind you all of the things I've ever told you, the Word of God, it's just the verses, the Scripture you need in that moment that you read on your, uh, at night. It's just going to come back to your mind in the middle. You can quote that Scripture like, I don't even remember memorizing that verse. 
but the Spirit comes over you and you, you quote that verse and it keeps you back on a solid footing. You need the presence of God. And David said in Psalm 17, with, with that in mind, that it's the presence of God that reminds me there is more to this life than what meets the eye. There's a supernatural reality around me. And David said that when lions were attacking him and people were trying to devour him in Psalm 17, they're lurking, they're hiding. He says, you know what? As for me, because I know God, he says, I shall behold your face, O God. Face in Hebrew means presence. I shall behold your presence in righteousness, and I will be satisfied with your likeness when I awake. It's as if this. I can sleep good at night knowing that either I will wake up in the morning and God's presence will still be with me, or I'll wake up in heaven and I'll see Jesus. I think that's the peace that Daniel had. I'll either come through this and I'll be better for it and God will get the glory, or the next face I'm going to see is going to be my Lord's. Come on. That's, that's the presence of God. I can walk into the lion's den. It may hurt for a moment. They may slander me, accuse me, take down my reputation. The whole world may be burning and going to hell. But when I close my eyes, I'll open up and I'll see King Jesus in glory. And I'll know I have been rescued from the lion's den. It don't matter how you come through, that you just will. I'm going to be satisfied when I wake up. Can you go to bed peaceful at night when people are talking all kinds of bad trash about you, making up all kinds of stories about you, tearing you down? You say, God, I'm going to sleep well at night in the presence of God, and when I wake up, it'll either be a new day in heaven or your presence is going to still be there. So he had the peaceful past. He had prayer. He had patiently persisting. He had presence. And the last thing he had was praise. I'm going to close with this. The governors, they sealed that tomb for Daniel. They sealed it. They called it. it was a sealed deal. It was a done deal. But that morning, Daniel came out alive. They thought he was dead man walking. He's going in. He's going to come out deader than dead. They sealed it. You know, the Bible tells us there was a good man like Daniel who never did anything wrong. And there was this old lion, the devil. And they put him in a dark, dungeony tomb. They thought he would go in dead. They rolled that tomb. They put some guards on it. He can't get out. He's going to come out deader and dead. But let me tell you something. An angel rolled that stone away. And on the third day, the living God walked out more alive than ever. He walked out victorious over death in the lion's mouth. The Bible says it was impossible for death to hold him. You see, on the cross in Psalms 22, what I told you to remember today, on Psalms 22, if you look at the first half of it, it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Lions are seeking to tear me apart. They pierce my hands. They pierce my feet. I'm being devoured by evil men on all sides. But you scroll down just a little bit and look in Psalms 22, verse 22, because there's a change, there's a transition in the middle of that passage. Look at this. Because Jesus on the cross was saying this, but I believe on the day of the resurrection, he was saying this on Psalms 22, verse 22. I will declare your name to my people in the assembly. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. He's a God who listens to his cry for help. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May their hearts live forever. 
You see, on that day that Daniel went in the tomb, he went in, the devil thought it was sealed, it was a done deal. But Darius declared on that day, Darius told Daniel, and the whole country said, Daniel, your God is a living God. Daniel served the living God. So it didn't matter how he came out, but that he would. And that God, the living God, shut the mouth of the lions. And for you and for me today, Jesus Christ on the cross, my God, why have you forsaken me? The lions devour me. But on day three, I give up and I say, God, be praised. He is the living God. May every person who trusts in him, their hearts will live forever. You see, it doesn't matter how you're going to come out, only that you will. Because you and I have a living God. 